In the shadow of the most powerful city in the world, the Capital Golf Gang is on the air with instructor John Ronis from the Ronis Academy at River Creek, executive director of the Middle Atlantic PGA, John Gould, and former University of Maryland golfer, Ron Thomas. And now your host from Afternoon Drive on the Team 980 Radio in Washington, D.C., Steve Zabin. I believe Meatloaf once sang, two out of three ain't bad. We've got two out of four today, John Ronis. Just you and I in the Mobile Strike studio, right outside one of the happiest places in golf for me, the putting green at Loudon Golf and Country Club here in the far exurbs of the DMV market. It's too hot today to be outside on location. It's not that bad. It's got a little bit of a breeze. It's all right. You know, I got a funny story here, Zabe, is, is I used to be a member here as well. And uh, I told, remember Feldman. Before he got kicked out due yeah, to right. the incident. I, uh, Dave Feldman, who was, used to be with Channel 5 in our area, good friend of all of ours, I think. Feldy Fox 5. Yeah, he, uh, I said, Feldy, come on and play loud, and it's in great shape. This was years ago. He came out. It was as if he drove to another continent he, he, when he came out I'm here. sure he bitched and moaned about of it. Of course he did. Yeah. But exactly. we had a good time, so it's a great place. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I, was a, I was a member here briefly, and then I took a hiatus, which they allow you to do, and then I said I'm back in. We're going to talk more about what they did out here at Loudon, which is to remove a lot of trees. Not all the trees, thank God, but just the right amount, I think. And I am coming along, Mr. Ronis, in my appreciation for the need to say to trees on a golf course, you've had your run, mm-hmm. but it's time to go. Yeah. Because I used to be virulently anti-tree removal. I'm a huge fan of parkland-style golf courses. I was horrified at what Oakmont did to their course, but hey, it's their course. And now I'm coming around to it. And what they did out here is fantastic. And they're not done with a lot of the changes they're making out here. And it's a beautiful course. The greens are fantastic. Shout out to the greenskeeper here at Loudon, Mr. Hinesley. UConn grad, Chris Hinesley. Yeah, of course he is. I mean, of yeah. course he is. Like you are, UConn grad. Of course he is. So let's start with the match. Did you get to see any of it? No. Nope. Okay, are you aware of it? Yes, of course I am. Okay. I'm aware of the results and... Uh, yeah. Did you see any of the social media? Yes, I did see some of the social media. Okay. It was fascinating to me. It was sort of like the nerds against the cool table. Mickelson and Brady, the cool table. DeChambeau and Rogers, the nerds. Now, Rogers is not a nerd, but he is kind of quirky. He's a bit prickly. He's a bit introspective. Both DeChambeau and Rogers fancy themselves as the smartest guys in the room. Well, I will tell you this. I... I Grew up in Boston, and I love Tom Brady. Okay. I really am starting to like Mickelson a lot. Uh, I, I don't mind DeChambeau. I like him. I don't like Rodgers at all. <laughs> and that would be one of the reasons why I don't think I put it on my list to go actually find it and seek it out and watch it. Okay. I don't even think it was I was too busy. I do not like, and I know you're from you know the Milwaukee. Net, the, I have a rooting the, interest. You, I am a Rodgers stan. Like, yeah. I am a full-blown Rogers stand. By the way, here's some highlights I'm showing you inside yeah. the Mobile Strike Studio. I have full this, respect for Aaron Rodgers. Right. I don't. I don't tend to like him. This golf course is spectacular. Let me hear Mickelson. By the way, would not shut up, and Rodgers kept saying to him, "Would you please shut up?" Wow. <laughs> he might have yeah. hit it inside. I, th- I think he did. Walked 50 yards, so I'm huffing and puffing. 
<laughs> Cavs are looking great, though. Thank you. Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, maybe go in. Oh, oh. Hey, out of the gates. That's all we do. Nice layup. Good teamwork. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. So, anyhow, hook. It, was, uh, it was a very interesting sort of bit of viewing. Yeah. And Mickelson talked the whole it time. It can't happen. But you know what? I think Mickelson gets it. And he knew that he had to be that space filler. Yeah, I think he, he, he's, he's going to have a TV career, I think, if he wants it. Yeah. Just like Peyton Manning is sitting on a $20 million a year TV career to up Tony Romo whenever he wants it. Right. He just doesn't seem to want it right now. Yeah. And I don't know if Mickelson will want it. And Mickelson, I think, needs skin in the game. He okay. needs a little competition. So I don't think that uh, the commentating aspect of that will give him that. So I think he's always going to want to play, be on the senior tour. And I, don't, I think he's going to be a guest appearance guy for maybe majors at a certain point. But he's not going to be. He's not going to be a full time commentator. This was the fourth edition of the so called match by Capital One. Remember, era we have corporate sponsors bankrolling this whole event, and the previous three going backwards in time. They played uh, in November of last fall at Stone Canyon in Arizona. Mickelson and Barkley took on Peyton Manning and Steph Curry. I think I missed that one entirely. I do not know what I was doing. No. I don't think I saw any of it. They played in May of 2020 at the Medalist in the rain. That yeah. was the Tiger versus Peyton, Phil versus Brady thing before Tiger had his car accident, yep. obviously. And the first one of these was at Shadow Creek in Vegas, yes. Tiger versus Phil for a million dollars. Yes. And that was sort of the revival of televised golf matches in the off season. Shell's wide world of golf. Well, it was really re- yeah going. You know, Shell is one thing, and I pulled that link up as well. But it was Monday Night Golf that was a thing, starting oh, with right. the showdown at Sherwood <clears throat> That's right. in 1999, in which world number one Tiger Woods took on David Duval, and they would, finished in the dark, right? Uh, they had the last two holes lit up yeah. at Sherwood Country yep. Club. Yep. Yes, uh, and I believe Woods won that one two and one. Mm-hmm. Okay, then they did battle at Bighorn. Yes. And they went around, and they started doing paired events. And then they did a sequel to Battle at Bighorn, where they added the ladies. Annika Sorenstam and Kari Webb were in the mix. And then they decided to include Sergio Garcia in a four-ball match with Trevino and Nicholas. And so they switched it up and stuff. It went for about six years until 2005, in which the Battle at the Bridges took place. They wanted... VJ Singh and Ernie Els to join Mickelson and Woods, but VJ for some reason said, I don't want to do it. Well, so, yeah, so he was replaced by Retief Goosen, who, let's be honest, is deaf well, on well, skates. Was VJ Singh? No, he wasn't much better. I mean, whoever but, was the producers of this, really, they didn't know what they were doing. We but, got Tiger, we got Phil. Who would be next? Who who might be next? Oh, how about VJ? Yeah, it's appropriate uh, no. that this celebrity, not celebrity, this primetime golf match series ended with Retief Goosen, the most yeah. boring golfer, major winner ever. Nice guy, great player, but let's be honest, Goosen killed the Golden Goose, so it collapsed after that and we were dark for 13 years nobody did televised nighttime golf and it came back i think this has legs this is what i want to get to 
does this thing have legs, and how do you feel about it as a golf professional for the game of golf? Love it. As a golf professional, love it. Does it have legs? Absolutely, if they don't pick the VJ Singh of the world. Even the, even the Ernie Els, who's another nice guy, but can hardly understand what he's saying because he's got a pretty thick accent. And he's, you know, he's subdued, right? You know, just a classy right. guy, right? You need characters. And I what think it's very got- important, actually, to have these things because the PGA Tour is getting a little bit mundane out there. Well, without the big kid. <clears throat> yeah. They're struggling for stars. I mean, Mickelson is still... I think Mickelson and DeChambeau, they were in this thing for a reason. They're basically the two biggest stars in golf. Yes. Not best players, stars. Correct. So, other than that, I think they start to... They really do need to help start developing the next generation. I would love to see a guy in one of these matches who's not a big successful golfer or name per se, but is a really good trash talker. Like a Pat Perez yeah, it's all, or something it's like that. It's all about the next of the Pat or Perez's. Or Kevin Kisner yes. is a legendary guy with yep. the needle yes. would be good. And I do love the fact that other athletes of other sports want to get in this thing so bad. Mm-hmm. Football players, baseball players, basketball players are like, let me in, let me in. They yeah. want it. Yep. They love it. Yeah. And I think that projects the game, John, in a way that's wonderful to everybody who is a sports fan to go, yes, this is the sport of a lifetime. No question. You know, if you had a Kisner and Larry Bird-ish player of the NBA, and you had a Mickelson and another just massive trash talker from the NBA, Mm -hmm. and you had that kind of conglomerate where you have golf and NBA, you have golf and baseball, but there's really not a whole lot of baseball guys out there. But you have that. Well, they're also in season. But there could be retired baseball guy. There could be Smoltz. Could be. Or, but the baseball guys aren't don't seem to be as exuberant as, as kind of you, some of the you other You played with a lot of baseball. A lot of nationals they're would very, come out to they're Woodlock. They're very calm really? people. Very calm. Because it's 162 games. It's a lot of failure. It's, they're just it, calm you're right. people. You fail seven out of ten yeah. times and you're in the Hall but of the Fame. the NBA, you know, look, it's cool. Get some tennis players. Get some whatever. But always get the characters. Always get the McEnroe's and the Nastassis and the Connors. And those are the characters that made tennis what we watched when right. we were younger. Then Lendl came in and Sampras and killed the game. <laughs> it didn't help him. Right? That's, that's So we need sure. to keep these characters out there. If it's exhibitions, it keeps them playing and keeps them on the front page where the regular PGA tournament won't. One of the biggest things against this was that it took so damn long. And I think that's a huge deal. Some would say... What do you care? Pop in, pop out when you want. It was a made-for-TV event. No one else was on the course. What does it matter? My response is because people see it and they think golf is slow. Mm -hmm. Golf needs to look fast, play fast, be fast in a fast-paced society. And so I don't want a single match, better ball, even if it is on television, taking five hours. I just don't want it. Right. So it needs to be a two-hour show. Speed. It needs to be speed well, golf. It well, needs to be bam, speed, bam, no, bam, bam, bam. It needs to be bam. taped. Uh, it needs to be taped, and it needs to be a television could, show. You could tape it, and you could trip. First of all, you can't really tape it because betting. See, that's another thing. Uh, there is a ton of, I think, FanDuel or DraftKings, one of the two, I get them mixed up, on screen saying, 
who's going to win. Got Here it. are the odds. Yeah. Sign up. You know, because we're in an age yeah. of I don't live in that world. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. But I'm with, yeah, now that you say that, I, I get it. But, but the larger point is that I want golf to be a game that moves. I want golf to be a game in which it's not sitting around looking at things for 30 seconds and then lining up. I love a shot clock in professional golf. Yeah. Love it. But in this particular regard, the banter is what you really wanted between the shots. So. And it was good. Yeah. It was good. I mean, all the guys had a pretty good needle. I think DeChambeau probably was the least smooth about it. You know, he's just an awkward guy. A little forced. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Rogers was more understated. Rogers dropped enough bombs, they had to drop his audio multiple times. Well, good. Good for him. Good. <laughs> I guess, but yeah. it, it just ruins the broadcast. I'm like, Rogers, don't cuss. They're going to have to dump Well, it. dude, like I just sometimes have to cuss. Hey, man. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's we'll all about see. mental health. We'll see. We'll see. I you just got to right? relax and <laughs> hang out. Now, when it comes to these matches, none of these guys played for their own money. But on the PGA Tour, Monday's practice rounds over the years, and especially back in the day, was the stuff of legend. Guys playing for their own money hmm. against other pros. Yeah. You've heard those stories, oh, yes. right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's, every, it's almost every practice round. Right. And that's why these guys start to get kind of friendly with each other, because they kind of roll in the same groups. Right. The same classes. Right. Money-wise. Right. And these are matches, I think, amongst tour pros on Mondays that are in the thousands of dollars. So it's yes. a lot to you and I, not to them. No. But it's enough that they're going to try hard. Skin. Got to have some skin in the game. A little bit of action. Yeah. The greatest match ever played. I'm not sure if you're aware of this legend or the book. Probably you are. If not, I'm going to let people who've never heard about it in on it. There's a book out about a 1956 match called The Match, The Day of the Game of Golf Changed Forever. And it involved Ben Hogan and Byron Nelson, at the time, two of the preeminent professionals in the game, against a pair of young amateurs by the name of Harvey Ward and Ken Venturi. Yeah. Ever heard of them? You know the story of this match, right? Yes, yeah. Played at Cypress Point, the legendary Cypress Point, and the word was former U.S. Open <laughs> championship caddy Francis We Met, or excuse me, the caddy for Francis French, We yeah, Met, Eddie Lowry. Eddie Lowry yeah. had be, had gone on to become a very successful businessman, yes. a millionaire. Yes, and he had a wager with another millionaire by the name of George Coleman in Texas, who was a big Hogan fan, amongst others, and basically Coleman said to Lowry. Nobody can beat my two. Or no, it was the other way around. We met. Or uh, t- Lowry, Lowry said, said. Lowry said, "I got two amateurs that work for me. You've never heard of them. They could beat anybody in the world in better ball." Yep. And that was when George Coleman of Texas said, "Oh, wah, uh, wah! Well, I do like the sound <laughs> of that wager. Uh, I will, I will stake you to a match. It's a million again." Uh, it was a million-dollar wager, allegedly. Yeah. The details are still fuzzy. But basically, Lowry and Coleman bet each other using the four golfers as their proxies. So neither Hogan nor Nelson or Venturi or uh, what's his name, uh, Harvey, Harvey Ward, yeah. had their own money in the game. But they were playing hard because they know that two millionaires were betting against each other. The thing was, once, uh, once the bet was made was when, I guess, uh, 
Eddie Lowry found out that his opponent was going to stake Hogan and Byron Nelson, which yeah. is like, holy crap, are you kidding me? Yeah. Basically the two best players in the game. Right. So this thing started to get a lot of buzz, and apparently they were playing it before the uh, Pro-Am at Pebble Beach, and they made a shadow tea time at Pebble as a distraction because they didn't want a whole lot of people there watching the match, although apparently a bunch of people did show up. They played it across the street at Cypress Point, one of the most exclusive and spectacular mm-hmm. courses in the world. Yep. And it was a hootenanny of a match. It was a knockdown dragout. I believe the amateurs Ward and Venturi birdied 10 of their first 11 holes. It came down to 18, according to legend and whoever was able to write about it at the time in which the only chance for the amateurs was to birdie and to have both Hogan and uh, um, Nelson par. And Venturi puts it in there to about 12 feet. Hogan puts it in just inside of him. Kenny Venturi strokes it in like it's no big deal from 12 feet. And Hogan, while standing over the ball, according to legend, (laughs) reportedly said through clenched teeth with a growl, I'm not about to be tied by two damn amateurs. And he poured in his 10-footer to win the match. Yep. Oh, I I believe it. (laughs) I do believe it. (laughs) Warden Nelson ended up shooting scores of 67. Venturi shot a 65. Hogan a 63. Although there was no scorecards that exist from the match, Nelson later noted he did not know whether any of the players kept one. And they felt it was unnecessary because they both knew exactly where they stood in the match. The better ball scores were 59 and 58. And as a foursome, they had 27 birdies and one eagle. Easy course. It's the stuff of legend. And they wrote a book about it. By they, I mean uh, uh, writer. Let me get his name here. I thought I cut it out. No, of course I didn't. But look for it. It's called The Match. The day the game of golf changed forever. Can we get one of those now, or is it too corporatized? Is it too... Oh, you cannot. No? You cannot. And you no can't chance? Get, you know what? You also can't probably get the drive that someone like Ben Hogan had to beat anyone on the planet at any time unless Tiger were to come limping back. That's about it. You huh? got to hate people. Hogan was good at that. <laughs> yeah, I would say Didn't that. Didn't even would... know these guys hated him just because um, they were the amateurs. Mark Frost is the writer's name who wrote the book, and it's uh, it's outstanding. I know I've got it on my bookshelf, but like many of my books... <laughs> They're decorations. It has gone unread. All of your books have gone unread. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Coming up, we will play a quick nine here on the Capital Golf Gang, presented by Golfdom. We are plausibly live in the Mobile Strike Studio in the air conditioning outside the putting green on a hot Friday afternoon at Loudon Golf and Country Club. Stay with us. We're back with more right after this. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who have to come up with creative excuses to their wives for those grass stains on their pants. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who all carry a perfect club, an alien wedge, a double-sided chipper, and a 20-foot ball retriever. True, true. I've got all those in my bag. Go to Golfdom for all the latest in equipment, apparel, and gear. 
Uh, they don't have any of those goofy clubs, although maybe there are some. I played with a guy out here the other day, John Ronis, who had, I believe, one of the, not alien wedges, but it was like the big thick. Yeah, like C3P or C. It, it was the big smacking yeah. ball. Yeah. It hit a great ball shot, got up and down. I said, hey, man. He, he kind of laughed. He goes, look at this thing. And I go, hey, don't worry. If it works, yeah. it works. That's all that matters. Okay, uh, it's just myself and John Rodas, Director of Instruction at the Rodas Academy at River Creek and also Director of Golf at River Creek now. Is that correct? That is correct, Zabe. Huzzah, huzzah, my yeah. man. Yep. Congratulations Thanks. on that. And um, the boys are off and about. Uh, John Gould couldn't make it this week, and uh, Ron Thomas, I believe, is in Piners. We're hoping next week to get together. It'll be U.S. Open, or excuse me, Open Championship Week, um, and there's going to be a lot to talk about. We yeah. cannot go live on Saturday mornings due to staffing issues, so we'll have to give you half of what has happened at the Open by next Friday. Yeah, but we need to get the guys together. Interesting how they're going to play this Open too, and how these guys are going to be. Oh, they're all sequestered and and quarantined. It's It's, a shame. Speaking of quarantined and security and stuff, did you see what happened with Rory McIlroy today? No. At the Scottish Open? No. You will not believe this when I show it to you here on the in-studio Jumbotron. Rory McIlroy club taken. There you go. So this happened. a, A spectator just walked right onto the tee on Friday morning at the Scottish Open, and decided he was going to help himself to one of Rory's clubs. There he is right there. Just this is a spectator. No credentials, no nothing. It's the 10th tee. They're waiting to tee off. Oh, my God. And there's Rory standing there. Look at that. That is unbelievable. No and, security, and it, no well, marshals, no nothing, and they're wondering what's yeah. going on here. They're just exactly. looking around, and now the guy puts the head cover on the ground, the dog head cover, and he's about to pound, not a good-looking form, not good at all. He's about to pound the head cover. but he's See, just, now, here's the thing. You don't know if this guy has a, a gun, knife, yeah. a gun. He does have a lethal weapon in his hands. It's a wedge. If he decided to start swinging wildly, yep. you got big problems on your hands yeah. right there. And they're so, just having conversation with him. That is, that's very scary. You know, it reminds you a lot of the, the um, oh, shoot, I can't remember her name, but she was stabbed in Monica a tennis. Monica Sellis. Was Sellis the one who was stabbed? She was stabbed in okay. the back by an uh, out-of-work lathe worker yeah. by the name of Gunther Parch. And why I remember all those details is just sad, but yep. I do. And, you know, Rory is such a good guy. He's standing there, and he's a little bit confused, obviously. Never takes his hands out of his pocket. And, you know, when that guy's walking away, he's looking at him, I think, feeling bad for him. Yeah. I mean, obviously, probably has mental problems. I just love Rory McIlroy. I do. He's my favorite guy. Okay. Let's get to a quick nine here. Myself and John Ronis will play a twosome. It'll be nice and quick and sporty. Here we go. Hole number one. How will Bryson 2.0 fare at the Open Championship at Royal St. George's, otherwise known as Sandwich? Yeah. On the Rota. I uh, read an article that said, look, the last time he really competed at the Open was 2017. And he did okay, but not great. And that was before he bulked up. Mm-hmm. Now he's bulked up, and he hits it really high. He's one of the highest ball flighters on the tour. Yeah. Which shouldn't work well at the Open. No. But... 
Well, he played the Lynx courses fairly well in previous trips, including in the Walker Cup as an amateur. So, the Open's an interesting one, and it all depends on the weather previous, the weeks before. Mm-hmm. If you hit the fairway in an Open Championship, usually you'll get up to 100 to 150 yards of roll. Hmm. It's that insane on the golf course sometimes. Okay. But obviously, if you don't, then you're not going to hit it. You know, you're going to carry whatever you carry it. So realistically, someone who, hit, who carries it 270 and hits the fairway repeatedly could roll it out there at 320, 330, 340 because of the fairways. So fairways are important in that regard. But the height is the thing that concerns me. I think the ball's yeah. in the air too long a period of time. Uh, in a championship, if the wind does blow, I think it's going to give him a ton of trouble. He uh, qualified for the Open in 2017 after he won the John Deere Classic, his first win on tour, uh, but then didn't play very well at Burkdale, shot 76-77. The following year, he defended his John Deere title, which is probably not ideal because you want to tune up for the uh, Lynx golf. He did make the weekend at Carnoustie, finished 12 shots back of winner Francesco Molinari. So there's that. But then he decided to change his body, change his swing, and go for manic, manic distance. Yeah. And we'll see how it goes. We'll Look, see how the it guy's goes. a good player. He's, he's yeah. got just as good a shot as anyone else. But, you know, when it comes down to it, his percentage is probably only 5% more than the, the, the longer hitters out there. Yeah. Uh, hole number two. Angel Cabrera sentenced to two years in prison in Argentina for domestic assault. What a shame. What a, what a shock. What a shot! I mean, I don't know who he is, but what a shame, you know. But send him away. It's Be- beating up women. Send him away. It's the first major champion to go to prison that I'm aware of, unless someone yeah. else did. Well, I mean, can you think of any golfers that went? To prison? No, it's a gentleman's game. Yeah. You know, it's unless uh, it's embezzlement or something. It's I haven't heard of any right. golfer. You know, it's. Uh, Am I and, wrong? you know, you would think, like, some golfers could go off the edge, right? Because it's so yeah, mentally, so mentally grueling. Taxing, you would think sure. some might go crazy. Yeah. But it's it's just a shame. But, you know. It, I, is it wrong to start making memes about the Champions Dinner at the Masters no. on hell? In no, jail? it isn't. No. Have you seen some of them? No. They're already out. Oh, yeah. People are photoshopping no. it already. No. I, I said, what if, what if after quite a few drinks, they're like, Hey, hey, let's Skype on hell in jail. You got his number, and yeah. they're all there in their green jacket. I mean, that'd yeah. be wrong, Well, right? will they bring the green jacket into the prison for the day? Or I don't think so, Maybe man. four days. Do you know what he went, what he was sentenced in? He was sentenced in a President's Cup quarter zip. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, there's photos of it. Holy smokes. I know, it's crazy. I just know he went away, and that's, you know, he's, he's got to go away. Well, that's the thing. He's got to go away. He seemed like. The most easygoing, nice guy, El Pato, the duck. Yeah. They called him easygoing, you know, but we don't know. Look, we don't know anything we don't about know any anything, athletes. and we and we. But I hope at the same time that we get the Trevor Bowers of the world and those guys. Well, I sure. hope they go away. I hope justice you know? is done. Yeah, I hope justice is done. Hole number three, quick nine. The Ryder Cup, Ronas has added a quote Nicholas Jacklin Sportsmanship Award, which of course has a corporate sponsor attached to it, Aon, yeah. which is a corporate staffing company. And it's going to go to one player on each team who displays the best spirit of sportsmanship right. for each team. I think you can get your Aon out of here and take the award with you. <laughs> Do you like it? No. You don't like it. Why At not? At all. 
Because golf's a gentleman's sport anyways. You're not supposed to be rewarding one person Correct. for being extra sportsmanlike. just a special nice guy. Right. And the Ryder Cup's all about beating the snot out of the guy in front of you, shake, taking your hat off and shaking his hand. Right. So yeah, that's kind of my feeling. Sportsmanship is expected. And this is, this is what we're getting to in this world. We're giving it an award to something that's expected in the game of golf. Okay. We don't need it. We don't need it. Talk for another second. I'm going to well, find a bite what that bring, makes sense. Nicholas and, and Jacqueline, to give you a little background, is the putt that Nicholas gave Jacqueline in the Ryder Cup to tie the Ryder Cup. When it wasn't a tie, the, the Americans were going, to, were going to retain the Ryder Cup if the Ryder Cup was tied. They were on the last hole. Nicholas gave Jacqueline a putt, and they tied the Ryder Cup. But the United States still retained it. Believe me. If that was for a win and the United States did not already have the cup in their back pocket, he wouldn't have given them the putt. Here's on YouTube the concession, Jack Nicholas and Tony Jacklin, Ryder Cup 1969. We were walking down and he asked me if I was nervous. And uh, I, said, I said I was pretty, pretty nervous, petrified. And he said, I just thought I'd ask because if it's any consolation, I feel the same way you do. So it, it was... Uh, you know, an unenviable situation to be in, you know, all our teammates around the 18th screen waiting for the outcome. It was pressure, big time. We both hit good second shots. Uh, I went to the back of the green. He was closer, a bit closer. I put it up to this far, marked, and uh, he had a putt to win it all from about 20 feet, which he rushed by four and a half feet. I mean, just way by. And like the great player is, he, he held that. And as he picked his ball out the hole, he picked my marker up and, and said, I don't think he'd have missed it, but I wouldn't give him the opportunity in these circumstances. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's Nicholas a, is just pure, pure it's, class. It's a great line. And then they go arm in arm off the green. Uh, Jacqueline's putt was a little tiddler. It, it, was, was, 18, it was nothing. It was 18 inches. He yeah. would have made it. But that said, Nicholas is like, look. I wouldn't even give you the opportunity to miss it. This is an exhibition. You're the most popular player in Europe at the time. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do? Ooh, what, what, you missed it. What we There was no corporate sponsor for that event, was there? No. Uh, for him putting his arm no, around him? No, there wasn't. Was there for the other 200 times that Nicholas did that in his career? No. No. Because Nicholas and probably Jacqueline also, they're just classy individuals. Right. Who just played. And believe me, when Nicholas stood on the first tee, he wanted to kick your brains in. Sure he did. But he also accepted when you beat him. Yeah, including when he got beat twice in one day by this guy yes. Barnes yeah. at the Ryder Cup smoking yep. a pipe. Yeah. <laughs> Some rando dude. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, hole number four, quick nine, is Charles Barkley's newfound no-hitch swing. Proof, Mr. Ronas, that yips are not necessarily fatal. Yes. Yes. Have you yes. seen Barkley's new yes. move? Yes, I have. I've watched it a million times, actually. I keep watching it over and over um, to look, actually, for where, you know, the hint of it. And he's doing great. It, it's amazing how bad it used to be, yeah. him stopping halfway down. And they made a TV show, The Hank Haney Project, yeah. designed solely to try to fix his swing. And did this not weekend, even come close. Right. This weekend, Barkley will be at the American Century Championship, the, the annual celebrity event, which I, I really like as a summer event. Yeah. And uh, his swing is good now. It's great. It's, it's great to news. see. I played with a guy out here at Loudon, um, and he had a, a long putter that he did not anchor, and he was pouring them in, especially short to medium ones. And I said, you like that long putter, huh? How long have you used it? He goes, not that long ago, 
He said, I had the yips bad. I almost thought about quitting. See? So, so there you go. <clears throat> that's We just don't want people quitting golf. No, no quitting golf. There's no quitting golf. Yeah. Hole number five, quick nine. Donald Ross courses are overrated. Change my mind. Oh, I think they're they're not overrated with the technology and equipment that they had at the time um, for most of the Donald Ross golf courses. Um, but they're not necessarily. I can't change your mind on that one that much. Uh, they're not necessarily my. We had a lot up in Massachusetts. They're not special. I to think me. they're over. <clears throat> they're good. They're over worshipped by the golf nerdarati. Just like Aaron Rodgers. Yes, they are over worshipped and slightly <laughs> overrated. I love how court, like certain courses are like we got a Donald Ross in the rough here. Let's shine it up. And I'm not against it per se, but it's like, do you know how many courses he did? Yeah, yeah. It's all Donald Ross courses are like uh, Antonio Cromartie kids. They're all over the place. <laughs> Sorry about that No one. comment. Hole number six. How would you feel if a male Ryder Cup player rolled up to the first tee with face paint or tattoos, sort of like the ladies do for the Solheim Cup? Oh, I would have to probably turn the TV off immediately. Come on! Yeah. What's wrong? Why does it just have to be a girly thing? No, I'm not even saying it's a girly thing. It's, okay. it's just a, it's an unacceptable thing as a player. That's for the fans. That's for the fans. <laughs> I love the, the, all the extra stuff. By the way, we're getting both the Solheim Cup this year and the Ryder Cup, and I'm delighted yeah, by fantastic. that. fantastic. Solheim Cup is going to be at Inverness, where they have cut down a bunch of trees. <clears throat> I thought we had, con- we had uh, connections in the, uh, in the Milwaukee area that might be able to get us media at passes. At the Ryder Cup? But I'm working on it. I don't know. It working on it hole number seven how do you feel about a tiered green john ronas Mm -hmm. in which if you are on the top level and the pin is below that is so steep there is literally no chance to tap 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 it soft enough to lag it close enough to the hole to have a tap in how do you feel about that feature we had it at woodmont on the way they redesigned the 16th green Okay. And um, they were, the lower pin, if you got above it, only about, actually only about uh, 15 feet above it, there was a tier. <clears throat> and if you got there, the ball rolled off the green. How do you feel about that? It's totally unacceptable. They blew it up Thank and started you. over. Thank you. I, I agree. To use your favorite term, unacceptable. Yeah. To me, there should, a, go- a properly designed golf course should never present any shot in which it is physically impossible to execute it. Yeah. It may be one out of 100 but when you have certain sharp tiers and greens in which, oh, you're on top, well, too bad. You're going to put it 20 feet by because literally gravity will take it there. I think that's bad design. Yeah, because skill, skill's out. out of the equation at that point. Right, exactly. And I'm not against tiered greens, especially as a defense for shorter par fours or, like or par fives. Okay. Hole number eight, would you rather play around with O.J. Simpson or Hideki Matsuyama? Wow. <laughs> that's um, a weird one, isn't that it? That is a really weird one. I. I guess I'd just rather play with Hideki Matsuyama because at least I could watch a good golf. But he won't say a word to you because he, he really doesn't speak English. He'll be very polite, very nice. The swing will be beautiful. He'll shoot 69. He'll sign an autograph for you. But O.J. Simpson yeah. would give you some material, right? Well, he would give some material because, you know... Uh, well, this is yours truly. Now, coming soon to Twitter, you'll get the... Read all my thoughts and opinions on just about everything. Oh, great. Now, there's a lot of fake OJ accounts out there. <laughs> so this- 
Ode on Twitter is so funny. He doesn't tweet words or thoughts or anything. He literally just posts videos of himself, usually from the golf, the golf course. course. Take care. Yeah, take care. Hey, take Drew care. World. Hey, it's OJ. You know, for years, people have been able to say Look at the pool. whatever they want to say about me. Would it, you know, would it be weird to play next to a guy? Let's say you had to share a cart with OJ. Knowing. For me, it would be really weird. But, you know, let's face it. I'm not going to. Do I think that something happened? Yeah, he wasn't convicted of murder, but this guy... Well, I was going to say, is the any, most... any reasonable person knows he's a murderer. Would you willing... He might not know he's a murderer. <laughs> no, he, of course, he doesn't think he is. You know, it's fascinating. It's, it's got to be one of the craziest, certainly, sports story ever. This guy was... America apple pie. Did you see the uh, 30 for 30 yeah. made in America? Yeah. It's one of the greatest pieces ever it made. It is wild. Yeah. I, I don't know how I'd feel. I mean, part I of wouldn't me, be scared or anything, Zay, but I would, really? I would be fascinated. Well, you don't think he's going to murder again? Probably no. not you, right? I would be, it would be a fascinating 18 holes. It would be fascinating. I uh, guess I'd have to say would okay. you Would you fear social repro- reprobation? or whatever the word I'm looking for is, from your peers you know, or your industry. Like, how could you play golf with I think, that guy? I think, to be dead honest with you, that's probably three minutes ago why I answered the question the way I did. I really do. I couldn't think in, in a second of how to answer it and say, <laughs> play with OJ. And what, not- would your, what would your wife say? Hey, I've got a, I've got, I've got a, a golf date. Who's it with? You know. OJ. I'm sorry. I thought you said OJ. Yeah, it is with OJ. I did. I did. It's, it's me and OJ. And then we're going to have a couple beers after. Uh, reprobation, uh, disapproval, condemnation, or censure. Once again, yeah. El Baldo had the word correct the first time. I should have trusted my own literary instincts. Hole number nine, the last one. When somebody says, what's the best course in the DMV, what do you tell them? River Creek Club. It's in Leesburg, Virginia. I'm the director of golf now. There is nothing better. It's right on the Potomac. It is absolutely it's gorgeous. Good. It's good. It's absolutely ding, gorgeous. Ding, 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 though. That's a corporate answer. I am looking answer. forward to second playing. Second best. Second best. Second course. base. I am looking forward to playing the redesign of Congressional. Um, yeah. I, I always say Congressional. When I'm talking about my out-of-town buddies and guests. They go, what's the best course in town? I go, it's Congressional. Because I mix in history. I mix in prestige. I think so. And it also has to be a great golf course. And what uh, Andrew Green has done in the redesign, which we saw in the spring, unbelievable. But there's many others. I like Avenel a lot, even though it's, you oh. know, a little bit. You're the guy, huh? I'm that guy. Just kidding. No, the new Avenel is <laughs> great. It's just so hard. I like right, it. Right. I like it. it. It's hard. just, it's such and a. And I will tell you, I walk in the savage. park. A beautiful walk in the park is Woodmont Country Club. It sure is. They are all slightly behind the River Creek Club in Leesburg, Virginia. <laughs> Call if you have any questions. And behind Loudon Golf and Country Club, there where you we go. are Good. today. You're exactly right. All right. We go to break. One more segment to go on the Capital Golf Gang, presented by Golfton. We'll talk golf and trees. Plus, Mickelson demanding a subservient golf media, the fallout on that issue, and a look ahead to the Open Championship. Stay with us. You're listening to the Capital Golf Gang right here on the Team 980 and on the Internet. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who only care about one trajectory on their irons, Airborne.
you are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who once dreamed of becoming caddies on the PGA Tour until they found out you have to take the blame for everything. We're back. Final segment. Just myself and John Ronas in the Mobile Strike studio here at Loudon Golf and Country Club. We tried to get longtime DMV uh, professional Larry Ringer, who has played in a number of high-level events. Great dude. Great with a quip. Great with a story. But he is literally so busy out here. And also Glenn McCloskey, the head professional, uh, he's busy out here as well. It's busy season. People are playing golf, and that's a great thing. So we'll get them another time. But here John is. John's busy, and he's in the van. So there you go. I love this show, Zabe. I love I being with do. you. You do a great job of Thank teeing you. every ball up. for it up. This is like me giving Whack a lesson. It. I tee every ball up for the person I'm giving a lesson to. Holy smokes, do you tee it up for us. All right. Okay. Um, Phil Mickelson last week, and, and this was – I was shocked that Ron Thomas was on the wrong side of this issue because normally he's never on the wrong side of any big issue. But Phil Mickelson didn't like the fact that a newspaper report in the Detroit Free Press chronicled how in a mobster trial, one of the mobsters admitted that he had stiffed Phil Mickelson out of half a million dollars in Mm. a gambling wager, like a sports gambling wager, right? Even Mickelson's own attorney didn't dispute the facts of the case. Mickelson didn't like the fact that it was old news and then went on a rant about why do I even come to a place like this and try to help out Rocket Mortgage and Detroit if this is how I'm going to get treated. Eamon Lynch, writing for Golf Week, took Mickelson to task saying essentially Mickelson is part of now a growing trend of athletes who just want the media to essentially be their own extension of their PR departments. And that's not how journalism works, and it's not healthy in any way, shape, or form. Mickelson didn't like the column by Eamon Lynch, in which he gently described it as missteps by Mickelson and Bryson DeChambeau. DeChambeau, by the way, did not speak to the media Mm -hmm. after his two bad rounds and a missed cut. And the firing of the caddy. And the firing of the caddy. Yeah. And I think he hasn't really explained it since either. So so. I, I think that's weak. You know, you're not legally, you're not by the tour obligated to talk to the media, but you are the defending champ. Yeah. You are one of the top players in the world. Face the music. Yeah. Anyway, Mickelson tweeted back at Eamon Lynch, it was no misstep. Using me to attempt to get more views or clicks would stop me and other top top pros from coming here, not help the local charities, and make it harder to raise money during the RMC for local charities. You should have brought this up. It never crossed your mind. Who's more right, Eamon Lynch or Phil Mickelson? I believe in the freedom of the press, and um, this person, Lynch, apparently brought up facts. They were facts that were brought out under sworn testimony, and they should be able to be written about. I also believe that Mickelson should have every right to decide where he wants to play play, and how he wants to be perceived in the local media. So, actually, I, am, I think that all of them, they're all right in their own way, but it's how you, it's how you, you drive your, your way of putting things out there. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, there's nothing wrong with what the guy did in the press. No, he was reporting, I think, a relevant story that had a Detroit angle. Yeah, now. This if, was a Detroit mob trial, and $500,000 is not ten grand. Right. Now, at the same time, when you sit there and you say, this reporter who should have 
the town city of Detroit in his mind when he writes these things, if Mickelson is one of those people who are going to bring a tremendous amount of revenue to the area by playing in this tournament. I don't think he did. I don't know. But maybe that maybe reporter should think bit. of that. I don't know. No, we, no, the reporter shouldn't think of any of that. Okay. The reporter's job is to report. But it's his and, backyard, right? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but that's the thing, though. Like, true journalism says, what is an interesting story? And is it relevant and timely? It was both. It was relevant in that Phil Mickelson's in Detroit for the first time in, like, forever. Secondly, this is a half-a-million-dollar wager. A mobster stiffed a pro golfer on that's rather interesting. Uh, and it was true. Me, I'm with you. I know. And, it was, so I, and I, it was facts. Yeah. I thought it was squarely in it. Here's what Jeff Shackelford, who is a very good blogger, used to be on Golf Channel, when they hired and they employed people and weren't this yeah. closet operation. That's a whole separate story. We should do a whole show oh, on so how bad. sad the so, Golf Channel is So now. sad. Uh, Jeff Shackelford wrote the following, because apparently they would call some of the tour players called Tim Rostefort TMZ. Mm. Tim Roastafort, TMZ, as if he's some sleazy clickbait guy. That guy's really respected. Yeah. I like Tim Roastafort. Anyway, uh, he writes, no one could dare try to pull off the insider beat anymore. Relentless praise is not enough, writes Shackelford. Throw in the pandemic, and some PGA Tour players are even pleased to see decreased press access these days. Their teams are looking 24-7 for something to be aggrieved about and are on the lookout for the slightest non-positive remark to blow out of proportion, all to show their man, we've got your back. That's a great paragraph yeah. from Shackelford. Yeah. It's too bad, but he says, basically, unfortunately, this is the world these days. Athletes are running the show more than ever. And a lot of fans actually like it which I don't get. But I'm in the media. Fans are not. I understand the distrust and the dislike of the media in general. But this is golf reporting. It's not the, dis- it's, it's the dislike of the media because they might report on something that is not the most positive thing on you because you have those things. That's what it comes and, down to. They, and, wanted, they want to direct the narrative nonstop. And had Mickelson not made a big deal of it, I guarantee you nobody would have known the story. Of course. I would have missed it. And I'm a golf nerd. Yeah, we're not reading I'm looking, Detroit Magazine. I'm, lo- I'm looking for salacious stories. Yeah. I would have missed it. So all it did was it called attention to it. So yeah. anyway, it's disappointing. I want to like Mickelson. There's a lot to like. But it's things like this that back me off. All right. You want a lesson? John Ronas is ready for you at the Teaching Academy, at the Ronas Academy at River Creek. Come on by and see him. You do not have to be a member there. Go to the Ronas Academy on Google or just look up River Creek. Anything to add on our way out the door today, my no, friend? No, and anything else having to do with River Creek now that I'm in that role, if you are interested in membership or anything else, please, golf course is great. Uh, any of the golf courses in this area, get out, look at them. We have great ones. Be a member and enjoy yourself. All right, thank you to Loudon for letting me park this conspicuous big <laughs> van like it's a government surveillance van right outside the putting green and not having it towed. Thank you for listening. Next week, it's Open Championship Week. We can't wait. Appreciate your time and your ears. Once again, on the Capital Golf Gang, presented by Golfdom, we will see you next week. This has been the Capital Golf Gang on the Team 980. If you'd like the gang to visit your home course, send your inquiries to zabe at yahoo.com. That's C-Z-A-B-E at yahoo.com. 
or visit the show page at www.theteam980.com. And for free swag, we're all in extra large. So yeah, thanks for the shirts.